Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Breakouts, a podcast where we interview extraordinary founders in just under 20 minutes. I'm your host, Akshay Kosla. Now, you'll find many podcasts out there that are two to three hours long and interview these wildly successful founders after they've already made it big. But by that point, the founders are already 5, 10, or even 15 years into their journey, so their insights just aren't as actionable anymore. We're doing things a little bit different. We're interviewing founders that are on the cusp of breaking out so that you can learn the playbooks they're using to build category-defining companies today. And we're doing it in just under 20 minutes. Now, just before we get started, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at The Breakouts Pod, subscribe to this YouTube channel, and join our Discord community for aspiring founders. The link is in the description below. And I think that's everything I have for you. So without further ado, here's today's guest. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Breakouts. We have with us one more time, Gray Nguyen, co-founder and CEO of Starlight. Now, Gray recently raised a $5 million seed round for his company at the intersection of fintech and crypto. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the first episode, definitely have a listen. It was very interesting. Gray told us a lot about his insights into, the, into fintech, into crypto, and how his company came about. Now, just as we get started with this episode, Gray, would you be able to summarize for our listeners who might have missed the first episode, just in a few sentences, what does your startup do and what problem are you guys solving? For sure. At Starlight, we're building an all-in-one financial stack for businesses to operate in both crypto and fiat. Meaning today we're helping businesses save countless hours and setting up their custodial wallets, setting up a deposit account and be able to on and off ramp instantly between fiat and crypto. And then on top of that, we provide businesses with software to help them manage their expenses, help them manage their, you know, their spending in crypto and fiat, all in one place. Awesome. And for our listeners that missed the first episode, definitely go have a listen. A lot of knowledge that Gray dropped on the episode. Now for this episode, we're going to be changing gears and we're going to be talking a little bit more about strategies, tactics, and hacks that Gray has used to build his business. We're going to focus on four main areas in this episode. The first is going to be product. We're going to talk about how Gray makes product decisions, how he built conviction in his idea. Then we're going to move on to talk about distribution, how Gray thinks about acquiring customers. Then he's going to share some fundraising tips for you, early stage founders that are looking to raise your pre-seeds or seeds. And lastly, we'll talk about operationalizing your startup, making sure it runs really efficiently. Gray, personally, I'm a huge nerd for that, so I'm super excited about that section. But without further ado, let's dive into the product section. First question for you, Gray. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, at some point you experienced this problem or you learned that this problem exists. But what was kind of your process about, about building conviction in it to the point where you could say that, hey, I'm going to go and dive, full, uh, you know, head, head first and, you know, go build a startup in this space? For sure. Our story to, to Starlight that we shared in episode one, as you've already know, is not very linear. We actually never started out with this problem. And let me sort of dial back first to how we approach it and how we got there. So my co-founder and I spent months building different tools in crypto from DAO tools to writing protocols. And along the way, you know, we've learned sort of a process to iterate through different ideas that not just fit the market, but fit also us as founders. So the first iteration took us around six months to build a product. We built an end-to-end solution, right? Launch it, got beta users. And after a while, we realized it didn't work. We shut down. The second time we did it, we sort of 
you know, took the lesson from the first idea. It's like, okay, what could we have done faster, right? Why, why did it take six months? What could we do you know, much quicker? So we took four weeks to build a prototype and show it to some users. And the next time we try to do the same thing. So four weeks turns three weeks to two weeks and one week. And really the process for us here each time is how do we, you know, instead of building an MVP, what I like to think is building an MVT, a minimum viable test to come to conviction rather uh, faster, rather than going through an entire build process. And the story for us to Starlight was that we actually never test the Starlight. We built a bunch of these tools and our approach at the time was, uh, was always push it, right? Talking with people, talking with the users, trying to sell a product, trying to ask them if they would use it, you know, build tools. And with Starlight, we actually didn't do any of that. We were just letting you know, the users and the market pull the problem out of us. So the problem came out very organically because as a business, we were facing the same issue, right? Like it was terrible for us to manage our expenses in crypto. It was so hard for us to on and off ramp. And that was the start, sort of the seed in it. And throughout chatting with different crypto founders and trying to really find a solution for our own use case, we realized that other people had that problem and they also have a very duct tape solution to that problem. And over time, the, the thing that gave us conviction was not only seeing our own duct tape solution, but seeing that others had duct tape solutions and hearing the same you know, problem over and over again. So really it was very coincidental that we came to Starlight because I think one of the biggest things that we did was just you know, listening to users rather than forcing something down you know, people's throat and trying to see if they want to buy or use it. So it's a little bit counterintuitive to what you, you might've heard, but at least that's, that's what worked for us. That, that's a really interesting story. You know, I, I think it's, uh, it's important for everyone to understand that before you figure out how to do things, you got to fail at it a few times first. And I, I think, you know, your journey to discovering this, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating how learning the, the key problems to solve for crypto businesses was to try to start one in the first place. Right. So that, that's really cool. Now in, in the last episode, Gray, we, we talked about how you were in, um, South Park Commons, and that is kind of where you were exploring new ideas and, and coming up with this. Could you share a little bit more about that? You know, maybe some of our listeners are even interested. Yeah, for sure. So for those of you who don't know, South Park Commons is a community of builders in tech. And really it's, it, it was founded as a community, like just people gang together, founded by two early employees at Facebook. And along the way, they've got up a traction where they were able to launch sort of like an accelerator model where they gave folks some money, but with really no intention of trying to force people, you know, to do a demo day in like you know, a couple of weeks that it's really up and open because their whole thesis is around that, you know, building a fintech businesses is very different than building healthcare business and very different building a consumer business. So why do we force these founders down the same timeline? And to be honest, like when we joined South Park Commons, we were still a little bit skeptical of like how would this would play out. But looking back, I think it was probably one of the most important decisions that we've made because really the, the, the core value of South Park Commons or really just a community like this is that the way I think about it, it's sort of like, you know, being in school, right? Along the way, as a start founder, you make mistakes, but by being a community, you can make mistakes, you know, that others haven't made. And the idea is that the, the knowledge of the group, right, is a lot greater than the knowledge of the individual parts. So really. As a founder, you want to be sort of like a startup historian. You want to not repeat the mistake that was made before. And there's a lot of little things that you wouldn't know if you didn't, you know, talk to other founders or hear their stories. So for us, that was a key moment to, you know, learn from other people, but also 
and see what we're trying and see that sort of math with other people's experiences. And I think that really helped us versus, you know, just being out there alone and building and takes a few months to learn one heart lesson and a few more months to learn another heart lessons. That, that's very cool. That's really interesting. And to our listeners that want to go check it out, you know, feel free to just Google South Park Commons or look them up on Twitter. They're really easy to find. Now, moving on a little bit and talking about product decision making, right? I, I think your your startup is just so interesting in that, you know, as opposed to building one, you know, singular feature, part of your, your selling point is that we're going to bring everything together. Right. And when we bring everything together, it's going to make your life so much easier that our product is, is going to win the market. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm curious in this kind of, a, an environment, how do you think about, you know, which feature should I build next? You know, your personal background is that you've, you've been a product manager in the past. So you're probably very well in product decision-making when, when there's, you know, a thousand different features you could be building. How do you prioritize what to build next, especially at the early stages of a company where you are right now? Yeah, for sure. So at the very early, early stages, right, before we even got a, a customer using us, I think the product that we ended up building, we, are, we were very lucky because we encountered the same problem already. So as a business, we knew already what kind of features we would want, right? This was the easy onboarding. This was the easy on and off ramp, being able to transfer your funds instantly. But as we grew, as we got customers and as we received feedback, the way that we think about product strategy is on a number of different layers. So number one is, you know, obviously the, the traditional stack ranking of needs, right? How many people voices this concern and how much, you know, additional value this would add to the ecosystem. But the other thing that we also look at is, you know, how hard or how hard is this feature really to be able to duplicate it from other companies, right? In crypto, especially because data is on chain and tech is pretty much open source. There's a lot of easy things that businesses can do, right? Like read data on chain, show it in a beautiful way. And there's a lot of hard things. So we try to match the two together, right? The, the stack rank that needs our customers have, and the really hard things for business to build in a product. Because for us, that's really building our moat. As mentioned in, in episode one, for us, it's like, how do we build across many layers and protocols, right? And it's solving the, the hardest problem that meets the needs of the customers. That's how we prioritize building in Starlight. Now, getting a little bit more granular here, let's say that, you know, one of the biggest challenges for businesses is something that takes a lot of effort from you guys, right? It's something that, hey, maybe takes a, a lot of, you know, if, we're, we, if we were to put a term to it, maybe like engineering tweaks, how, how do you go about prioritizing it then against, you know, other problems where, which, might small, small, which might solve small use cases for businesses and might have lesser impact, but are also easier to build? How do you kind of do that stack rank? For sure. To answer your question, really, it's a, you know, a mix of like how low hanging fruits is the product or feature uh, versus also at the same time is like, is this a core feature, right? Is this a nice thing to have? Right? Is this a, you know, a nice experience, a nice button, a nice you know, animation, or is business you know, changing feature, right? Can we enable new workflows on Starlight? So for us, it's a, it's a mix of both. I guess there's like not an easy way to say that, right? Here's like the exact formula for us to always pick a feature, but it's really a combination. You sort of have to triangulate these different factors into play. If it was as easy, I think, you know, there would be, and there are many books that talk about this, but you know, fortunately that's why there's people like us, right. To come in and really, I guess there's more feel to building a product rather than just formula. Right. That, that, that makes a lot of sense, right? If, 
if there was a simple method that you could just automate this with, right? Yeah. You know, PMs, uh, founders may not even exist. It's funny. One of my friends actually, he talks about that, that, Hey, in the future, we'll have general AI and <laughs> these kind of jobs won't exist. But I, I, I think that's a little far, but anyways, let's, let's move on and talk a little bit about distribution, right? So just to start us off, talk to us a little bit about what is your current acquisition strategy and what are kind of like the different channels that play, right? Do you guys do paid? Do you do organic? Is there a content strategy? How, how do you kind of break it up? Yeah, for sure. I guess I'll break it up to a few layers first. So, you know, folks that know Web3 already, pretty much paid content in Web3 does not exist, you know, or traditional paid content. You can't really pay Facebook to, to advertise for your T project anymore. But what you can do is you can pay for influencers. I think a lot of, there's a lot of, I guess, called crypto shillers out there, right? Either you see on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. For us, we don't really rely on that method because for us, like, unlike a lot of other folks who are you know, more consumer focused, we're building, it, what I like to view is, it's a product that relies on trust, right? Uh, mm. We're working with businesses one-off and they trust us enough for, for, for them to leave millions of dollars with us and for, for, for them to be like, okay, you know, we don't want to look elsewhere. Starlight is a place to be. So the way that we really approach sort of distribution is how do we build this network of great builders coming to Starlight? And step mm -hmm. one is to, you know, build really great products so that founders can tell their friends and their friends to other founders. So, so mm -hmm. far we haven't really relied on any like external marketing or building like you know, influencers campaign, anything like that. And, and in fact, today we've done very, very minimal uh, marketing. Most of our customers are coming from word of mouth or from, you know, other people that are in the community already. That said, our next strategy is, you know, working more in partnerships. So we're working with other communities to help, you know, builders in the space and, and support them. So we're working with different folks, you know, either providing them support with, by allowing them to come to our office physically. A lot of folks are remote. We open up our office space or like, you know, people are at night and, and they want to go mingle. We open up and we do like, you know, social once in a while. And really for us to, 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 to be out there and build this relationship with different people and to build a brand is really what the core of Starlight is. And that said, you know, as we scale it on, there's, there'll be different acquisition strategy, but I guess the, 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 the zag and the zig here is that we're really doing the less scalable things in crypto, less relying on Twitter, you know, followers and, and Twitter retweets to, 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 to reach other folks. Gotcha. That, that, that makes sense. So it seems like right now it's, it's a lot about, Hey, you first reach out, you show them your product. And if your product kicks ass, then, you know, they're going to tell their friends about it and all, all their other, you know, founder buddies. Is, is that, is that right? Yeah, exactly. And, and the way that we like to think about it too, is that, you know, if we're not building an amazing product with real value, then we don't deserve the founders to try us out. Unlike a lot of network-based products in crypto, like for us, it's really like, can you solve this very hard problem and do it very well? And I think we're in that category and we, we only deserve to, to work with other founders if we already, you know, establish a great product that people can feel like, oh, I want to evangelize this. Interesting. If, if you had to think about one, you know, acquisition or distribution hack that you've come up with that you think is, you know, you're, you know, pretty clever or, or you're kind of proud of, what would it be? For us, as I mentioned, it is working with different communities. So we, we reach out to, with, especially in crypto, there's a lot of up and coming community like South Park Commons or like YC, where they're just young builders building, you know, amazing tools. So sometimes they're not even building, they're just exploring their influencers and creators. And for us, it's like, 
it it might seem like a, a hack, but really it's just a, a way for us to be part of the community, which is supporting these 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 folks. And I think that's really the next generation builders. Like the you know between 2010 and between you know, the last decade, the builders were really flocking to you know these accelerators like YC and TechStars. But I think the next generation of builders will look very different. And for us, it's like how do we identify that? How do we be there to support these folks rather than relying on traditional channels? Very interesting. So to our listeners out there, start paying more attention to the discords you're a part of, right? <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Cool. Well, moving on, let's talk just, just briefly about fundraising. Now, uh, fundraising is, is this thing that can be rather confounding for, you know, early stage founders, especially first time founders. So, you know, you've gone through it recently. It seems like you've managed to pull, pull off a pretty sizable round. What would you, if you have to, if you had to give just one or two pieces of advice that you think are a little unconventional, or maybe, you know, have not been said by other guests on this podcast before, right? What, what would you say? For sure. The first sort of a higher level, a little bit unconventional is that when, when, when you raise money, don't focus on raising money. And it sounds cliche. And what I mean by that is that, you know, as a, as a founder, you're really not in the business to raise money, right? You're really in the business to build a, a great product and, and get users. So my advice to founders have always been, you know, go as long as you can without raising money. Your focus should be getting a, you know, you know, many LOIs, many customers on the wait list, people loving your product and raving about it. Because naturally, right, investors are smart. They'll flock to you. And that's really our story as well. We never focus on, you know, how do we optimize, you know, our CRM with investors going to happy hours meeting these folks. It was really just building a great product and having, you know, founders and builders love using it. And I guess the second sort of tip here that aligns with that is that, you know, when you do fundraise, focus more on your story rather than anything else, right? Like you might hear tips about, you know, you got to make a beautiful deck, but do X, Y, Z things really at the end of the day, especially at this early stage, you know, if you have a great product, tell a good story about that. Tell, you know, why does your product matter? Where is it heading? Like how you got there and why you're the, you know, the best founder is to be able to do this. And I think, you know, with those two things combined, it will take you a long win. And I think taking it much further than a lot of Twitter threads that write about this already. Right. There, there you heard it for folks. If you want to raise money, focus more building your company, not on fundraising itself. And even if you are fund, always say you're not fundraising. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding with you. But anyways, moving on to the, to our last section, let's talk a little bit about operational, operationalizing your business, right? You know, this is important at every stage of company building early days, late days, all the above. It's important to run a tight ship, an efficient operation. What are one or two hacks that you use to make sure that your team works efficiently? For sure. So we actually spent the past few months iterating a lot of this. And the one thing that we, one of the key value for us is to know never settle for talent, meaning, you know, because I get the opportunity and, and it's luxury to build a team around me, I, I get to pick the smartest people that I get to work with, the people that are super excited and passionate about what they're building. So that's number one is to never settle. And for us, we build a very tight process of hiring and also, you know, working with different folks to understand who they are. And at the same time, like, I think it's as important for us to evaluate them, but for them to evaluate us. So we built, uh, a work trial process. So every full-time employees that joins Starlight has always done a work trial of some sort beforehand. And that's a, in my mind, a much better way to you know, hire than do like, you know, super days or you know, technical interviews. The second piece of advice here is that because we're small and something that only small company can do is that we're very tight on what we like to call the, the retro process, which is, you know, every week we spend an, an hour as a team to be like, Hey, this week we did X, Y, Z things really well. 
there's ABC things that we can do even better. And the idea is that each week, not only do not only we solve problems that you know, we wanted to this week, but also how do we like prevent the problems to happen in the first place. So the idea is that each week you don't repeat the same mistakes that you made before. And I think there's, you know, each company will have their own sort of flavor to this process. It's just a matter of like finding the right mix for you and your team to be very you know, aware and, and open about you know, being honest with each other about like what's going well and, and what's going not well. I think that's really important. You, you heard of folks focus on your retros and make sure that most of all, your team is self-aware. If you don't bring the, the problems out in the open, how are you going to solve them? Well, awesome. Cool. We're just at about time here, right before we wrap up the episode. Gray, is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, for sure. If you are a builder who is interested in building in, in, in the section of FinTech and crypto, we're always hiring. Please reach out to us. You can find us on starlight.money slash careers. The second, if you're building an extraordinary product in the space and, and have a problem that, you know, Starlight, please reach out, reach out to us as well. You know, we're always looking to onboard new, exciting companies and, and we can bump you up a, a lot on the wait list if you're building a truly an amazing product because we want to support you. So that's awesome. And lastly, lastly, if our listeners want to follow you, Gray, where, where can they follow you? You can find me on both LinkedIn and Twitter with Gray Nguyen, I believe I might be the only person that's active with, with that person last name in both. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, I will go follow you right now. Great. Thank you so much for being on the pod. It was such a, you, you were incredibly articulate and I'm sure our listeners can take a lot away from this episode. Folks, that's it for today's podcast. We'll see you next time on the breakouts. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Cool. Beats. All right, and that wraps up today's episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Now, just before I let you go, I wanted to reiterate one thing. We're trying to build the best podcast out there for aspiring entrepreneurs. And to do that, we need your help. The best way you can help us is by joining our Discord community. The link is in the description below. And then leaving us feedback. Tell us how we did. Tell us how we can improve. We're eagerly waiting to hear from you. Other than that, show us some love and follow us on Twitter at The Breakouts Pod. And I think that's everything I have for you. We'll see you next time on The Breakouts.